Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Take Action. I am Pastor Henderson, uh, the leader of the Lighthouse Church here in Houston, Texas, and I am excited about today's conversation. Um, and I, I noticed I didn't say sermon, Bible study, just a conversation because, um, you know, this is a one of the toughest times if if you're alive in this season. It's it's one of the toughest times in the history of the world. And it is not to measure it against the days of Jim Crow, it, not measuring it against um, the days of slavery, but for this generation, for this season, for this time, um, this is a very difficult moment. You got rumors of wars and you got all things going on around us. And if you've been a follower of mine, I've always been an enforcer, an advocate of taking action in spite of the fatigue that life presents, that you have to have a can-do-it attitude. And I'm going to share something with you today uh, that I hope will unveil uh, some of the scales from your eyes. Um, I, uh, I'm hoping that through our discussion today uh, that you will see a more excellent way. And hit us up. Hit us up at Pastor Keon on Instagram and make sure you go to our YouTube channel, uh, The Lighthouse Church. Hit us up. Let us know in the comments if these conversations are beneficial uh, to the development of your life. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You gotta, you gotta hide this word. This is what David said. Thy word have I hidden in my heart uh, that I might not sin against you. In other words, what he was saying is, is I keep this word close just in case the enemy tries to get closer. So you wanna make sure that you're watching, re-watching, sharing this word, processing this word, taking notes on this word, um, and I'm sure it'll be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Now today, I wanna talk on this subject, write this down. I wanna talk about the habits that hold you back. The habits that hold you back. How many of you watching me will admit that you probably should be further than you are right now. Don't worry, I'll wait. That you probably should be a couple years ahead of your current trajectory and progress. Not to say that you haven't done marvelous exploits and that you haven't done great things, but the kind of potential that you have, I think you both, you and I both know that you probably should be a few steps Ahead. So what I'm going to do now is I want you to feel my hand at your back and I want you to take this conversation and use it as wind. I want to push you so that you can sail into the higher echelons of destiny and life. So I want to be practical. I want to be helpful. Let's start at the top. You may say, Pastor, I know that I'm not where I want to be, but I cannot identify the things that are holding me back. And that's purely that's purely okay. It's fine. Um, you need a teacher, right? The Bible lets us know that there are many teachers, but few fathers. And you have to assume or allow me to assume the role of a teaching father in your life today uh, so that you can hear these as lessons for the house. These are family secrets. Number one, the first thing that I believe that's holding us back, and let's, let's make it personal, you and I, failing to notice the habits that hold you hostage. Everybody knows they have habits, but some of our habits are like 
autopilot. We don't, we don't know when it happens. I was just sharing with somebody uh, yesterday that the real measure and definition of you is the gap in between what you think about yourself and what other people think you to be. And the true you is in that gap. You're not everything you think you are and you're not everything they think you are. The real you is somewhere in that desert place. And there are some habits that you have in that desert place that are automatic. You, you don't even think or need to think before you implement some of these strategies. Now let's, let's go to the word of God because Romans chapter 12 verse two is going to be the first scriptural basis for our argument today. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse two. The Bible says this, you know this one. Here it is. Be not conformed, right? To what? This world, but be ye transformed by the, you said it, by the renewing of your mind. Now that's where most of us stop because that's the part of the scripture we have memorized. I was at a conference the other week. He said, the, te the teacher, Dr. Leonard Sweet, he said, the problem with most of the us in the church is that we are verse heavy and story ignorant. That we know parts of the verses, but we don't know the whole story. Let, let's talk about the whole verse. Be not conformed. Do not be conformed. However, your translation says it to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here it is, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, the Bible says be not conformed. Let's, let's break that down. What does that word mean? Conformed means to take on someone else's pattern. Have you noticed, maybe about yourself, I know I have, that we typically change our pattern based on the pattern of the people we hang around. You get around the group that gossips, you find yourself gossiping. You get around the group that works hard, all of a sudden you got a vision. You get around the people who complain, all of a sudden you start seeing complaints in your life. He says, be not in the pattern of this world. In other words, don't allow the pattern of your environment to shape the pattern of your future. Be not conformed that ye may what discern what is the will of God and what is good, acceptable and perfect. Uh, um, let, let's talk a little more deeply about habits, a very famous Bible character. Let, let's talk about Moses. All right. You know, Moses. I know Moses. What did God tell Moses in the in the wilderness? He said, Moses, the people are thirsty. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to strike this rock. And when you strike this rock, water is going to come out of that rock. And I want the people to see a miracle, but, but I want them to see the miracle working through your leadership. I want them to see the concert between you and I. You strike, I'm not even going to release the water until you strike it. What does he do? He strikes the rock. What does the Bible say? The water comes out. Now let's just position that to a future encounter. The people are thirsty again. The Lord says, Moses, speak to the rock. Moses is short on words because he is frustrated. The people are complaining. And so what does he do? He goes back to an unnoticeable habit that has him hostage. He strikes the rock again. 
when he should be speaking it, speaking to it, and he doesn't get the water. Why? Because his habit held him hostage. You are thirsty because of your habits. God won't release the water until you release the habit. I hope this is helping you early because a habit can prevent you from the next level. A habit can prevent you from your expected end, the anticipated end. In fact, the promised end, you will get water if you do something different. Sometimes my habit causes my desert. <laughs> the, the, the environment was supposed to be flowing with water, but my habit can dry up a fertile ground. Does that make sense to you? Let me tell you, if we look through the scripture, we can see how habits can keep you locked up. Let's look at the woman with the issue of blood. She had a habit of going to doctors. For 12 years, her habits kept her bleeding. For 12 years, her cycle and her psyche kept her bleeding. Why? Because she couldn't break her habit. And it wasn't until she broke her habit and said, you know what? I've been going to these doctors, but let me try something different. This time I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. Look at that habit. What if I told you that a habit can add a decade to your process? Or it can take a decade off. Does that make sense? So I want to say this, and I'm not being sexist. I'm going to give you both sides of the argument, but let me tell you why women need to be the first to understand this and to implement this the most. Women, listen to me, women, this is getting ready to free you. Women, you are typically evaluated in life based on your contribution. And you think about this. Now, let's just oppose that to men who are typically evaluated on their potential. Let me give an example. When a man is choosing a wife or a woman, he is automatically thinking, what can she contribute? Can she cook? Can she eat? Does she do this? Does she do that? Can she do this? Can she do that? And there are at least 5,000 single men looking at me through your phone right now saying, you right, Rev. What can she contribute? I don't want to be in this day and time taking care of everything. Where does she work? Is her credit good? We look at even in business women, your bosses, you are typically evaluated by your contribution. This is why you need to be more focused in on your habits, even so more than men, because the world is unfair and men are not typically gauged by their contribution. Men have the ability to be gauged by their potential. A man can walk in the door and not be enough. Let's look at sports. How many huge basketball players have you seen on a team that never gets in the game? Seven feet two, don't get in the game. 275 pounds, don't get in the game. Why? Because the coach is thinking that with enough work, they can derive the potential out of him and he gets paid millions of dollars to sit on the bench, be non-productive, but have a lot of potential. And the reason why I am speaking to women right now, it's an unjust world 
because we both should either be judged by our potential or by our contribution. But because the world isn't fair, I'm speaking to women right now. You're going to have to focus on your habits because you are graded by your contribution. While men, until the world balances out, are typically graded by their potential. So if you have a habit that you're not aware of, now I'm speaking to both of us, men and women, then you have to seize the opportunity to identify that habit so that you don't have a desert when God has promised you a river. Habits can hold you hostage. Number two, the other habit that is holding us back is expecting others to notice your efforts and you expect a reward for them. That's a bad habit of not giving your full effort until you're rewarded or recognized. Terrible habit. Terrible habit. I'm, I'm speaking to hundreds, if not thousands of people right now who will admit that you feel best about your work when somebody else feels good about the work. And when you wait on the praise and validation of people, you, al you allow being unappreciated to actually morph into a psychological feeling that makes you feel that you're unapproved. Listen to me. <clears throat> a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, a lot of insecurity is somewhere in between the sandwich of you feeling underappreciated, which you actually translate psychologically that you're unapproved <clears throat> because you don't speak well of yourself and to yourself until somebody else does. And it keeps you frustrated and angry and inadequate. That's a bad habit in the whole process because you're waiting on somebody else to say boy" before you know you did a good job. It's a bad habit of waiting on praise to feel approved. I'm, I'm going to give you scriptural basis. Look at Judges 6, start at verse number 11. The angel of the Lord found Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press. You, you know that story, don't you? He's threshing wheat in a wine press. And the Lord comes to him and says, basically, hey, man, what are you doing? He says, yeah, I'm, I'm down here. I'm threshing wheat. I'm doing the best that I can. Um, the Lord tells him when he visits him, he says, you know what? I'm going to do great things with you, Gideon. <clears throat> now, why is, he, why is this good? Because he's threshing wheat in a wine press. I don't mean to be overly theological, but I have to do this to dispel the confusion that may be surrounding the statement I made. He's threshing wheat in the wine press. In those days, they didn't have the machinery that we had. <clears throat> so they would have to go up on a mountain where the wind would blow. You've heard the statement, separate the wheat from the tear. So the way they would do that is they would go up to a mountain, they would beat the wheat, throw it up in the air, and allow the wind from the mountain to blow away the chaff because it's lighter. It's the covering of the wheat. The wheat being more dense and heavy would fall. So you throw it up, you let the wind blow away the cover, and you let gravity take care of the substance. 
He's in a wine press with no wind. Let me say it this way. He's doing a mountaintop job in a valley situation because he doesn't believe in himself. So he's doing the job in hiding. But when you do the job in hiding, you don't get the benefit of the mountain. So now he's in the valley doing a mountain job. He's in a low place doing a high call. I'm talking to somebody. Because some of you are right now. You have a high call on your life, but emotionally you are in a low place. And you're wondering why there is no separation happening in your life because you cannot get this done in a vacuum. You can't get it done in isolation. You can't get it done locked in your room. You can't get it done in isolation, not dealing with anybody. You know that old saying, I'm, I'm going to do it myself. I'm No, you can't do it in the wine press. The Lord says to him, he says, listen, Gideon, the problem with you is, is that the version that you have of you is an observation. And you're so consumed with your observation that you're about to miss an opportunity. You're so consumed with what you are not, you're about to miss me tell you who you really are. You have a bad habit, Gideon, whatever your name is, you put it in there. You have a bad habit of doing mountain work in wine presses. High call, low place. You have to develop a vision that doesn't look like what you see of yourself. Don't look at the C's on the report card. Don't look at the fact that you didn't graduate from high school. Don't look at the fact that you have a GED. Don't look at the fact that you didn't finish college. Don't look at the fact that you're a single parent. Don't look at the fact that you are a divorcee. He says to Gideon, you are, in spite of how you acting, a mighty man of valor. I wish I could speak that into your life. In spite of how you see yourself and in spite of how the people who benefit off of your depression and in spite of what you don't see in yourself, can I give you a word? You are a mighty woman of valor. You are still enough. You are more than enough. And you have to get to the place where your value is not inextricably and intrinsically connected to the praise of other people. What if Jesus paid attention to the praise of people or the lack thereof? He would have missed Calvary because he would have still been on the road, on an ass, on a donkey, still there, lauding the applause of the people on Palm Sunday, he would have never made it to Calvary if he listened to praise. And let me tell you something. You are not as good as they say you are, and you are not as bad as they say you are. You are somewhere in between the praise and the criticism. Don't ever get too high when they say good job. Don't ever get too low when they say bad job, because the praises of men are not the indicators of who you are. I am, Gideon says, I am the least in my clan. He says, my daddy's family ain't nothing. And when you look at everybody in my daddy's family that ain't nothing, I'm the least of the nothings. And God says, Gideon, you don't know who you are. Who told you that? You 
are the benefactor of a negative environment. And you speak to yourself like you heard others speaking about your clan. And so now you think because they said it, it's true. Gideon, greatness can never be hidden. Gideon, let me reintroduce you to you. You are so great that I found you hiding. Do you know that you are so great that people will doctor up a fake resume, get work done to their bodies, scheme and lie to get to the top, and you're so anointed, you'll be discovered in H-E-B. You're so great that you'll be discovered in Target with a baseball cap on. Not your best outfit. You won't have a fresh haircut. Your nails won't be done. You'll need to go to the beauty shop. And God will have you discovered on the day that you think you look the worst. Why? Because it is not about the observation. It's about the opportunity. You are bigger than you think you are. But you have a habit of not appreciating yourself until others do. And I am giving you permission to celebrate yourself. Look at where you came from. Out of poverty. Now you got a mortgage. Look at you. Two and three cars in the garage. Look at you. A daughter that's a cheerleader and a son that's a football player. Look at you. Raised in a house with alcoholics but not addicted to alcohol. Look at you. Uh, abandoned by a parent and yet you take care of all of your... Look at you. How about a round of applause? How about a standing ovation, Gideon? That you are a mighty man or woman of valor, even though you come from a dysfunctional clan. God bless you for that. Number three, the desire to please people by dumbing down your gift is a trap. Desiring to please people by dumbing down your gift is a trap. Most people have the tendency to shrink in the company of other people, which is a signal to your brain that you don't deserve to occupy the space you're in. How many of you feel that way? I, I know this is not something that you like to admit publicly, but this is true. That we don't feel like we belong. We, we don't feel like we're enough. And so that sends a signal to our brain that puts us psychologically in a place where we feel inadequate. I just want you to raise your virtual hand. How many of you struggle with the feeling of inadequacy? Thinking you're not enough for your spouse. Thinking you're not, en you're not enough for your children. Thinking you're not enough for your church and your ministry. Thinking that you're the least amongst your friends. Thinking that, here it is, thinking that you're not enough for God. God said, Jeremiah, put your name in there. Francine, Samuel, 
Calvin, God says, before I formed you in the womb, Mark, I knew you. Sharon, before you were born, I set you apart. And I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Can I just ask you a question? Why are you so infatuated with being local? He didn't say, I called you a prophet to your street. He said, I called you a prophet to your nation. You will always feel frustrated when you have a nation anointing, but only a local effort level. You gotta fight to be the full version of who he created you to be. Jeremiah answered, oh, alas, sovereign Lord. This is, this is King James Version Bible talk. He says, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. Look at his perspective. I can't figure out how God could tell him I called you to be a prophet to the nation. And he follows up by saying, I can't speak. I'm too young. Moses, go lead the people. Lord, I can't. I, I can't speak. The woman at the well, the Lord has, he has a plan for her. Uh, but, 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 but because of her situation, the Lord says, you know, tell me about your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. The Lord says, I know, I know, I know. I know exactly who you are, ma'am. I know exactly where you are. I know what you've done. You, you've had five husbands and, and you're working on a sixth relationship right now. I know exactly who you are. And yet I'm still sitting here at the well. Would you stop talking about what you are not? And you have Jesus sitting at the well. Can you stop talking about what you need and start praising God for what you have? The desire to please people has caused you to dumb down your gift. And guess what? You can be flawed and still be gifted. If I showed you the flaws of the people you admire in the scripture, you would not go to that church. As much as you quote Psalms 23, you would not go to David's church if he was a pastor. As much as you love Paul and his epistles, Paul is a felon. He is the same person that we always talk about. You know the guy who was a murderer, who was in prison, spent three days blind, and all of a sudden was a full-fledged Christian? He's the same guy we talk about. In the earth, but yet we follow him in scripture. You are not too young. You are not illiterate. You are not hard to, you, you are not any of those things that you tell yourself that make you feel like you can't do the job. But it's a bad habit. It's a bad habit. Here's the fourth bad habit that I see people having. Too much focus on past mistakes. This is another bad habit. Second Corinthians chapter two, excuse me, second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he or she, it's a gender neutral word, 
is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Let, look at me. Look at me as I'm talking to you. If I am the best counselor in the entire world. And you are better. At not forgetting. I will lose the session every time. Why? Because if you refuse to have a new mindset, you are wasting your money at the therapist. You are wasting your money at the counselor. You are wasting your pastor's time. Why? Because if any man is going to be in Christ, he has to be a new creature. And he has to intentionally allow old things to pass away. And he has to also intentionally allow all things to become new. Distractions and interruptions are the most effective means to putting an end to the fixation and what we call the rumination, if you will. In other words, move on. One of your worst habits is you're stuck. Just stuck, distracted by last month's argument. Yes, y'all kissed. Yes, y'all held hands. But the entire time you were holding hands, you were thinking about the argument. Yes, y'all rode to church together. But all things ain't new. Yeah, you went on vacation and had talks and buried the hatchet. But all things, part of my ebonic relapse, ain't new. We're typically distracted by the feeling of inadequacy and we are inadequate and in manning up and womaning up and just learning to move on. I wish I could stick my head through that lens and ask you, how many things are you lying about when you say I'm over it? I'll wait. I wish this was hot because I would call it tea. How many pretend I'm over it have you logged up this year alone? Oh, it don't bother me. Telltale sign it does. Oh, I don't let that get to me. Liar. You are affected by it and you're focused on it. And guess what? I'm talking about the times you made a mistake. One of the things I have learned, hear me, because I feel like running. I have made mistakes in my life. But once I've corrected them, you're going to have to grow up to be around me because I will not allow anybody to hold me hostage to my past. And you better learn. You have better learn to stop letting people hold you still when you're ready to move on.
once you have thrown that thing into the sea of forgetfulness, don't become a scuba diver and go get it. Leave it. So what? You made a mistake. So what? You failed. The person who is demeaning you has failed to. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And your fourth worst habit is that you have a negative victim story to yourself about the mistakes you made. Did I help you? Because I got one more. But if that's too much, I'll stop. But I want you to raise your virtual hand if you want the last one, because I think the last one is more important than the first four. Let's recap. Number one, one of our bad habits that's holding us back is failing to notice the habits that have held you hostage. Number two, expecting others to notice and reward your efforts before you feel good about yourself. Number three, you're dumbing down your gift just to please people. Could you imagine if Jesus dumbed down his gift to make Pilate happy? <laughs> Could you imagine Jesus dumbing down his gift to make the Sanhedrin council happy with him? Jesus was bold. He was like, hey, you ain't got to believe it. But I am the one. I am the one he sent. Now, you don't have to believe it. But I am the king of the Jews. He has such a concrete perspective of who he was, even when others didn't believe him. They didn't believe him so much so that even at his crucifixion, they nailed to the cross. He said he was the king of the Jews. We'll see. Sunday, they found out. Tell him, you'll learn. Oh, you're going to learn today. You're going to learn today. It might not be today, but tomorrow. may not be tomorrow, but come Sunday. Derek Coley, when Sunday comes... Number four, too much focus on past mistakes. Number five, you have to discover your brain type. This is good. Because we don't all have the same brain type. One great strength that women have is their ability to notice a lot of things at once. And women, let me help you understand something. Brothers, I need you standing on your couch right now because I need your back on this Women, you guys are gifted creatures. You can be talking to your mama and listening to us on the phone and hear the baby say she's hungry and know the dog got to go outside. You are great. Congratulations. We ain't got it. We cannot watch Steph Curry and listen to you at the same time. So let us watch the game. And we can have a conversation after the game. Why do y'all wait until it's 96-96 with 30 seconds left to want to talk? We are not the same. We are not the same. Women can focus on many things at the same time. Now, when men process information, we only process one thing at a time. We are so limited in that area. And yet we live in a society where both men and women are dogmatic towards each other because we have different brain types. And the women tout their ability to multitask 
as God's gift to humanity and men tout their ability to be laser focused as God's gift to humanity, humanity, and both of us are wrong. Because a woman's attention, it works like a radar. Doop. Doop. There's a mosquito over there. Something in my atmosphere, it don't feel right. Doop. You can feel and see everything. You know when the plane is trying to land. You know when he's hungry, when he's unhappy. You know, you can feel it because your attention is like radar. You can sense it all. But a man's focus is like a laser. Bing, boom, just deadlocked on a situation. And here's what we say about y'all. Man, you always talking. And here's what y'all say about us. You don't talk enough. Look at that. We're just, yeah. But our habit that's holding us back from having great relationships is not recognizing and appreciating the differentiation in brain types. One major problem for women is that most businesses view laser-like focus as leadership. Okay? And so you are not appreciated in the marketplace like you should be, women, because there is a defective definition of leadership, and that is laser-like focus, and that is incorrect at its best. Because both can work if we recognize that the differentiation of the two mindsets are effective. Truth is, a well-developed radar is just as beneficial as a laser. Both have their advantages and their disadvantages. A well-developed radar is as good as a well-developed laser. But let me tell you the cons to each of our brain types. I'll start with the men so nobody start texting me, hit me up, talking about why are you always messing with the women, which is not true at all. I'll start with us. The problem, men, with having laser-like focus is you don't recognize nor understand that lasers can cut steel in half. And so laser-like focus puts you in a position where you're cutting people with your focus and don't even know they're bleeding. Because too much focus on any one thing causes you to miss the big picture. And when you have laser-like focus, you can get sucked into a trap because the enemy always comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And if you have laser focus, you're going to miss the killing or the destroying or the stealing because you got to make sure that you're not so narrowly minded that you miss the big picture. Jesus was not like that. He was the lion of the tribe of Judah. And at the same time, he was the lamb of God. He was as harmless as a dove, but as wise as a serpent. If you're not talking about God in, in, in polar opposites, he is the first Adam and the second Adam. He was not so much God that he ceased to be human. He was both at the same time. He had radar, but when it was time to work the works of the one that sent him while it was day, and no man cometh, when it was time to be savior, he wasn't trying to be politician. 
Does that make sense? Now, women, a well-developed radar can also be difficult for you because it prohibits you from being able to filter out useless information, distractions, and your attention becomes so scattered, it makes it difficult for you to be present in any moment. So while you think you can hear the dog and hear the cat and hear us, what you don't understand is that there is a stealth plane that can trick radar. And I don't care how good your intuition is, there have been some planes that have flown low enough to get under your radar because radar cannot read the ground. Does that make sense? There are planes that if they correct the angle, the radar cannot detect it. And one of the biggest complaints that I hear about women, about men, is he doesn't do enough. And one of the biggest complaints I hear about men and women, she do too much. And the bad habit of not appreciating the radar when you are a laser, and the bad habit of not appreciating the laser when you are the radar, has us stuck in a whirlwind. Learn to appreciate different brain types. Now that you are aware of the brain type that you have, and you can go for change. And making little changes until they become habits is better than attempting to be a brand new person by tomorrow. That's another bad habit. Going to a service and then hoping to wake up tomorrow as Jesus Christ incarnated. A little leaven, leaven is the whole loaf. Little by little. And when you change too quickly and you do it for people, you wake up and resent them because the signal is they were displeased with who I am. Yet again, feeling unapproved. Yet again, focusing on past mistakes. Yet again, dumbing down your gift. Yet again, waiting on people to acknowledge you before you feel good about yourself. Yet again, falling into the habits that cause you to be hostage. And the equation is, it holds you back. I hope that today I have set at least two people free from the habits that hold you back. I found out that there is no nice way to have this conversation. Oh, you have to take action. I hope you heard me in the spirit that it was given. And I, this word is for who it's for, and it ain't for who it wasn't for. There are gender differences, economic differences, class differences, ethnic differences. But habits don't care about how much money you make. Habits don't care what neighborhood you live in. There is a force at work that is designed to keep you stuck. But there is also another force called the Holy Spirit that's making sure that you would have life and have that life more abundantly. 
I don't want another year where I'm held back. I don't want another month where I shoulda, coulda, and woulda. This is the year of power and authority. And I command you to get out of those habits that are holding you back and create a more excellent way. As you give today, I want you to break the habit of feeling fearful when it's time to sow. I want you to break the habit of feeling hostage when the discussion of reaping and sowing comes up. I used to be like that. I used to think about if I give this money, then what am I going to do about the things I want, need, and, and want to have? Then I found out I could have a new habit. My God shall supply all of my needs. And guess what? I have a habit of not having needs now. That's my new habit. Because I have broke the habit of being selfish with the seed. I'm a giver. I want you to look at all of the habits you have in your life. Those feelings that automatically come up. Those anxieties that automatically come up whenever you're in a stimuli, in a situation. Right now, break the habit of being stingy. I want you to be generous. Watch what God will do through your spirit of generosity. If you give right now, you can do it in many ways. You can go to our app, TLHC. You can go to Givelify. Make sure you click take action. You can do all of those things. You can text it. You can go to our, our, our website, lhhouston.church. You can do all of those things. But, but th those are immaterial. What I want you to do is I want you to log in to your heart and say, God, I'm about to change the way I give, and I'm trusting on you to change what I receive. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. I hope you enjoyed this one. I hope this one helps you to recognize that before you were formed in your mother's womb, this book says in Jeremiah that you are already called to the nations. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next time.